Hey everyone, welcome to the Sales Engineering Podcast. Now whether you've listened to previous episodes or if this is your first time here, this is the point where we'd normally cue up some music and introduce our guest. Not today, not for this topic. This is not business as usual. In life and in work, we can no longer remain neutral. We know that systematic racism exists in our government and throughout the fabric of our society. Acknowledging that means it must inherently exist in the workplace. Today, we're going to be having a conversation about race, diversity, and allyship in the workplace with Devin Saxon. I worked with Devin at Optimizely, and he is one of the best sales engineers and teammates I've ever had the pleasure of working with. As we have this conversation, we may make some mistakes, or say the wrong thing, but our intention is to use our platform to amplify Devin's voice, listen to his experience, and share his ideas to help us move forward. Devin is going to share some powerful perspectives and vulnerable experiences. Be present. Hey Devin, we are very grateful to have you on the show today to talk about this very important and vulnerable topic. Thanks again, Connor and Alex. I'm, I'm excited to be here today. Um, love you, this podcast and I love the platform that you guys are building. So thanks again. And adding on to that in, in preparation for this episode, I realized just how many great resources there already are available online today about becoming more aware, educating ourselves and what we can do to take action. And I'm aware that this is like a very exhausting time, but the hope and really the intention of this, this conversation is that we can be here to, to listen and to amplify your voice, Devin, on these topics and resources that we're discussing today so that other people can hear it too. So in this first part of the episode, we're, we're really here to hold this space and that's to listen and to hear your voice and your story. So for our listeners, give us a little bit of background about who you are and, and just starting with your upbringing, would love to know uh, about that as well. Yeah, so I'm a black man, if you haven't guessed by now. <laughs> I uh, grew up in the Bay Area. I, I grew up in Hayward and went to high school in Hayward. I went to a bro Catholic, played football there, and then uh, ended up going to Harvard, getting an opportunity to go to Harvard to continue to play football, which was a tremendous experience. And after graduating, I wasn't sure if I wanted to try to keep playing football or not. So I decided to, to commit myself for about a year and a half to, to make the push to play professionally. And it ended up not working out. So I wanted to start making some money somehow. So I, I ended up falling backwards into the tech space while I moved back home to, to the Bay Area. And uh, I started out in this company in Santa Clara, was working in the, in the, on, on the marketing team. And then ended up landing at Optimizely. He was one of my best friends from high school, was working there at the time. And then I started out on the tech support engineering team, answering those support tickets for our, our customers and, and working my way up to, to the sales engineering team. So that's kind of my path of where I am today or how I got to, to where I am today. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, everyone has their, their own experiences that, that make them them. Um, so given that, tech is notoriously known to employ a disproportionately small percentage of black people. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your experience and, and how is it different as a black individual in tech? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's um, so I've been at two different companies now and uh, six years of working in the tech space. And I'd say at each company, there's probably around two to 3% representation of fellow black employees at each of those companies. And both of those companies are around 400 to 500 employees each. So it's always been like in a very token type of uh, role in each of the places that I've been. And it's, it's been, it feels isolating at times. I mean, I'm, I'm very much a social person. Like I get along with majority of people and, and, and want to be that type of person in that way. But it, it, it can be tiring not having that connection or that, that, that true empathy or sympathy of, of that fellow work experience of being a isolated black person in, in the tech space. So it's, there's a lot that really comes with it. And I'm sure that we'll unfold all of that in, in the rest of this, this podcast, but yeah, it's a challenge, but you know, I don't let it hold me back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and diving a little bit deeper there, just understanding a little bit more now about your experience as a black sales engineer. And you know, this is, this is understanding that our role requires us to be on calls with customers doing customer onsites. I'm sure there are like things that, that occur in the sales cycle that might be visible to you and, and our black teammates, but might be unseen to others. So could you tell us a little bit more about, about that as well? Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that you would always hear it within the tech space is that the black representation is really low. And I always knew that in the back of my mind. I'd read blog posts, I'd read all these articles, and then being in a sales engineer role, you actually had the opportunity of going on site and delivering demos. And like you said, having all these face-to-face meetings with all these customers, it, it really shocked me in the last like year and a half or almost two years of being in this role. I can probably count on both hands, the amount of black people that I've presented to um, and, and, and all of uh, like the opportunities that I've been on, which I don't think many of the account executives that I've worked with would, would really ever notice. Um, that just like kind of always makes me think of what initiatives and and other things that we can do to really just change this culture that's so prevalent within the tech industry. Um, So that's one, that's like probably the biggest thing that sticks out to me within the sales cycle. But other than that, there's like small things, maybe comments and microaggressions that happen throughout the course, but that I wouldn't say that's isolated just with those within the sales cycle. I just say that's like, you know, unknown, I don't even know how to like secondhand. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like almost subconscious that people communicate that way and don't even realize yeah. that the things that they're saying are microaggressions. Yeah. Wow. And and that point about that you made initially about who we're presenting to as well as sales engineers, like that that to your point is something. Yeah, like it. It's interesting to actually like look at that and be like, oh, oh this is different than than uh, the, the general population or percentage of people in the population. You know, we, we know there that in our society, systematic racism exists. It's in our government and really every fabric of, of our society. So acknowledging that means it must inherently also exist in the workplace. Are there any systematic or racist elements or experiences that exist in the workplace that, that you've seen or personally experienced? Yeah, definitely. There's definitely elements within the workplace and I mean, within society, to be honest, but um, yeah, I've definitely personally experienced some and I've heard others from fellow peers who are also black working in the industry that, that we've kind of shared and talked about. And I mean, a few, one that I think 
is probably most common that we talk about are like microaggressions are like the way that you, the wording that you choose when addressing a person of color or a black person specifically. Um, to give an example, I, I've kind of experienced this personally. Like if I have a peer on my team who's the same individual contributor lo level as I am, and they are really passionate and expressive about a particular idea that they have, maybe like implemented, or maybe they have commentary on some sort of process or program that we're running, that they are able to get like really loud and, and animated and passionate within the meeting. And everybody sort of receives that for what it is like, okay, this person's passionate about this idea. We'll yeah. take that for account. We'll either put it into to place, whatever the next steps are. And I've actually been in similar situations where I'm also passionate by an idea and maybe I do a fifth of the energy that that other individual did. And the reaction is almost like, okay, why are you so angry? Or like, why are you so aggressive? Or wow, this is really out of character for you, Devin, like sort of thing. And I think that is a common one that most people may not catch, but it also has like an effect on me of if I even should speak up in future senses or like I really beat around the bush when I, when I, want to lay out in a, a certain opinion that I have on, on whatever thing that yeah. we're talking about. So you, you, you feel like you can't bring your full authentic self to work. And, yeah. and, and there's a disconnect there because a lot of companies, especially in technology are all about, Hey, you know, bring yourself to work. But then mm -hmm. there's this unspoken invisible line that, that you just talked about that is like, well, not really. Or, or at least you don't feel safe. And right. um, if you don't feel safe, then that's something we need to talk about or, or address as well. Are there any other things that you notice or feel in the workplace that are invisible to others and normalized in the workplace, but explicit invisible to you? Mm. I could say one that's more internal that I may not that wouldn't expect a lot of other people to really think about is something that has been I, like tagged as imposter syndrome, which is um, the idea that me being a black person as was only hired for like an OKR for the recruiting team or like some sort of representative as a statistic so that the company can say, now we've went from 2% uh, of, our, of our employees being diverse all the way to like 6% sort of thing. So you always have this thing playing in your head where am I really here for, for my skill set and what I bring to the table or am I or am I not? Which personally for me just makes me drive and work harder. So I give no doubt for myself and for everybody around me. Like I'm bringing my, this to the table every single day. Like I am consistent in what I do. So you can't ever say anything to the likes of that, of me just being an OKR sort of thing. So I think that's, that's another big one. It's like you're kind of carrying this, this, this chip of like, you have to be perfect in everything you do. And uh, like, you can't bring your guard down. You can't have a bad day, or at least you feel like there, there's that pressure on you. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's, yeah. that's tough. What about some potentially, especially being in tech and, and, you know, software development, there, there might be these, these subtleties that are very normalized in the, the workplace that uh, could be very offensive. There's, you know, when we talk about whitelists and blacklists, mm. uh, in, in software development, this is normalized. People won't even think twice about uh, naming things with whitelists and blacklists. And, and even as 
sales engineers, we, we talk to customers in these terms. Yeah, you can whitelist customers, you can, you can blacklist customers. We have it, this feature built into our software. Right. Do you notice this when we're talking in these terms? And like, are there other terms like this that come up and, and like, that's, that's messed up. This sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely notice it. I, I wouldn't say I take offense to it since most people are unaware of it, really. It kind of, it's sad. I do take it, I should say, I don't take offense to the person saying it. I do take offense to how it's characterized because it's kind of just pushing that narrative subconsciously again that black is black cancel, white, like pass sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess other ones that are when you're talking about architecture is master slave is, is another thing that probably doesn't need to continue Jeez. to be normalized. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. It's really hard to have this conversation right now, Devin, because as we're talking about these things, you know, on the news, we can, we can look at, you know, other parts of the country that have, uh, you know, you know, it's still legal to, to fly a Confederate flag or to have mm -hmm. statues memorializing uh, Confederate generals. And, and, and we look at that here from our lens in technology in, in California and be like, oh, that's so messed up. But even within our own ecosystem, we have those legacy terms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't have the solution, but at least acknowledging that, you know, we should potentially uh, revisit these terms and uh, maybe change it to an allow list and a don't allow list. That would probably yeah. be a little more, a little more neutral. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, switching gears a little bit, Devin, what is your perspective on the importance of diversity and allyship for sales engineering teams, sales teams, and just companies in general? Yeah, I honestly, like diversity is so important just in the fact, for the fact of you just getting a different thought and experience. It just gives you such an advantage when it comes to running a, su a successful team. And I don't want it to just be like ethnic diversity, but you know, age, gender, uh, orientation, whatever perspective brings different things to the table essentially. So that allows for processes to become easier at, at, at like the number one thing. Um, recruiting ends up becoming easier for your business because a diverse company is going to attract diverse hires, um, which seems pretty basic. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. I, I remember McKinsey actually putting out a report like in 2016 where they talked about top quartile for racial and ethnic diversity for, for companies, there was like a 35% more like, they were 35% more likely to have financial returns above their respective like national, uh, their respective national industry medians, which really shows how like powerful diversity is. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of the things you've said. Uh, you know, diverse teams is going to allow for diversity of thought, different perspectives. We'll be able to, like you said, connect with customers better, attract, uh, attract talent, uh, more diverse talent. So there are lots of long tail, long tail benefits. Switching gears to, to the second part of the episode, you know, moving into part two, we want to talk about being an ally in the workplace and taking action. Action is what can transform behavior. So uh, being an ally is not 
only about being aware, but what can we do to improve ourselves daily to take steps forward in the right direction? Mm -hmm. So how, how can we show up for the black community as a whole? You're saying like from a business perspective? Yeah, or just even individuals or from a business perspective right now. That's just kind of generally. Yeah. Um, I'd say from a, a business perspective, the culture just really needs to, speaking for tech, because that's what we're in, the culture just needs to change within itself. And there's a lot of broken points within it and just kind of just been an acceptance for too long. Like companies have came out and gone as far as publicly acknowledging that there's a problem internally with diversity in general, but the action has been super inconsistent and, and I guess, I mean, black people and other minorities alike have, have started to see it. So I think there needs to be some sort of partnering and tackling this together. Cause obviously nobody's really able to, to tackle this alone from the business sense. And I, I think there needs to be a stronger accountability for VCs. VCs need to do a better job at backing startups and, and leaders that are underrepresented people. Before I go, I sound like I'm on a soapbox right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and these are like things and, and topics to, to your point that like should be very common sense, right? And like it's it said that we have to get on a soapbox to, to make this point known and, and to really amplify these, these points, you know? Um, but I, I think supporting the, the black community as a whole, those are very real and, and tactical things that, that we can do. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to drill a little bit more into understanding on an individual basis. So as a teammate or as a manager, uh, we want to be there to support our black teammates to know that we see you, we hear you, and, and ultimately we support and stand with you. So as an SE or a peer or a teammate, what can we do and, and how can we show up for our black teammates in ways that are more meaningful and more consistent? Absolutely. I think the obvious answers are continuing to donate, continuing to go to the protests, you know, continuing to, to listen to black people who are sharing their perspectives. But the biggest driver is continuing to educate yourself. Um, one of my, my best friends always says the internet is free. So there are <laughs> plenty of resources out there to really get up to speed on, on how flawed our country is. And I think understanding that and continuing to have those conversations within your circles, within your families, within the circles that are slightly outside of your circles, and most importantly, the workspace, because the workspace, are gonna, you're, you're surrounded by people you most likely would never hang out with outside of it so those are going to be the the types of reaches you can get to that are just not normal so i think you should start to have these conversations at work even though it may be uncomfortable but we're at a point right now where discomfort is apparent it's so apparent everywhere and yeah. in order to, to like move past it we gotta we gotta talk about it we gotta act on it and we gotta we gotta you know improve ourselves so right. educating and conversation <laughs> And, and that discomfort is, is crucial here, right? And so being able to push past that discomfort so that we can, can move society forward for the greater good is, is critical here. It's, it's important in what we need to do. And I love that it's almost like ensuring that each individual takes responsibility to, to go in and take on that ownership so that they can do what they can do in, in their circles. Um, 
would like to know a little bit more and kind of flipping that question on its head for managers. What, what can managers do to show up in a more meaningful and consistent way for black teammates? Yeah. Um, I think the, the biggest answer is, is recruiting, hiring. Um, I think managers hold a big piece of that, of hiring, like getting diverse candidates. And I think since they have a direct gate to who comes in as individual contributors to the company, the more diverse candidates that they can bring in, the more that we see, at least for successful companies that do promote within, the diversity from within the manager position within the director level and then hopefully we could see that at the exact level as time continues so i think that should always be in the back of every manager's head and along with that i, I didn't touch on this earlier but there there have been I, there's been blog posts i hate calling it out but facebook has had some issues specifically with their black employees and and kind of how they've managed complaints uh, that were sent into to their HR, and I think they've supposedly had, have done things to to fix that situation. But I think if if a manager ever finds themselves in a, a situation where a one of their black reports has submitted something to to the HR that may be focused around race, they should really do all that they can to hear out that employee because at times. Um, a lot of the times black employees won't speak up if there is a, a race issue that comes along to, in fear of being seen as a person that always just turns it, it, everything into a black issue or everything mm. needs to turn back to race. Um, so they won't say anything. So I think being overly empathetic initially when a report does report something like that to HR is, is a valuable thing to do. Interesting. And it, it sounds like it's, it's almost like, allowing and, and providing the space to to approach and have a conversation that is open and, and with authenticity there so that mm -hmm. whatever that stereotype about having a conversation about race that that can be stripped away right like if if a manager would come to this situation and and like even with the events that just transpired over the past couple of months uh coming in and knowing letting their teammates know that it's okay and whether that's like just providing space or time off from work and just being there to care and, and let their teammates know that, that that's okay. It, it seems like that would at least help with, with the situation and provide that space. Um, yeah. I guess, how, how would you feel if like a manager approached the situation along those lines? I think I'd be appreciative that they, that they are, are thoughtful in that manner. I, I think that, um, yeah, managers should, if they won't feel comfortable enough and have that type of relationship with their report, they should absolutely do something like that. But I don't think they should ever pressure their report to do to do it, um, just because everybody digests things differently. Yeah, no, I, I that's a really good point that that everyone does digest things differently. But what you you just talked about clearly, race is present in in in, in our world, in our society, and in the workplace. But the way it's present right now is the burden and everything you've shared, the burden is on you, the, the black employee and, and the black individual, and not mm -hmm. on the company or the hiring managers to, to create these spaces to have these conversations. So, mm -hmm. so changing that or starting to look for ways to, to change that, would you agree or, or disagree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think that burden really carries outside of work as well though that burden is something that we're trying to break down even outside of of just employment 
that's like a societal burden that I feel a lot of black people carry. Yeah, definitely. Um, in, in terms of how people react to situations too, and, and I think we were touching a little bit on this is, you know, we're, everyone's an, an individual with their own experiences and their own story and, and how they react to situations too. So having that situational awareness as well to know that everyone's going to react differently to this too. And mm -hmm. just being there and, and letting people know it, it's okay to react however you're, you react as an individual, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to know a little bit more about your perspective on how we can go and continue to build and, and foster these more inclusive teams. I know you mentioned recruiting is like a, obviously a huge one that, that people mm -hmm. can do. Is there anything else that uh, we can do to help build the, and foster these more inclusive teams? Yeah, I think I'm starting to hear this be thrown out a lot more with, with companies is just having a role specifically that focuses on diversity initiatives. And that can go from recruiting to, to outreach to, to education internally. But I think mm -hmm. having that person that is able to focus exclusively on that and make it their full-time role, it would be amazing if companies started to make that a, a, like a required role. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree that, that that function should exist. Do you feel like there's a, a right time, you know, when that role should exist? Yeah, I mean, ideally, it should be a, a priority out of the gate. Out of like, the gate, yeah. Like, DC should be encouraging um, every account in their portfolio to have one of these hires, like, early on in the early stages of, of companies. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's where I'm, I'm going to stand on that, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> good. I'm, I'm, gl I'm, gl I'm glad you said that. Uh, and truly, that's, that's, that's the answer. It should, be, it should be there right out of the gate. Um, so, you know, taking actions big and small, so the next generation does not have to go through these same struggles, uh, but trust equals consistency over time. So allyship also needs consistency, not just when an incident flares up in a new cycle. I want to jump into how we can show up consistently in the workplace and keep this conversation active, but not have it paralyzed. Uh, teams or, or individuals. So you touched on educating ourselves earlier, but, but what is the right way for us to continue to educate ourselves and, and those around us and, and to show support and, and solidarity? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I'd say at least that I could speak for Optimizely. We have a diversity and inclusion group channel that is focused on, you know, the underrepresented employees and optimizing being able to express, have a safe space to express things or also talk about current events that are going on. Um, and not just, sorry, not just exclusive to the underrepresented, but everybody within optimizely can come in and express whatever they like within this channel, but it's traditionally focused around those people that are under, underrepresented. So I, if, I hope that a lot of companies have channels like this, I'm not sure if they do, but if they do, I think tapping into those, is like step one just trying to that's one it's a great it's been a great place for resource internally for us and then two it's been a, a again a great place for people to really share perspective ask questions get really thoughtful answers and responses um which which i've been proud to see but 
I don't know if that's a helpful answer, but. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I just want to add one thing though. This is just from my own perspective of, of being in the diversity channels. Uh, I think there should, needs to be a shift because uh, previously this, this was, uh, lots of things would take priority over going to diversity meetings. And when I would show up to diversity meetings, uh, you'd have five people there, five people calling. Uh, but you'd have a hundred people in the Slack group and everything else is going to take priority. So mm -hmm. um, this may be a little bit of a challenge to people who want to be involved to, to move that up a little higher in the priority list and actually show up that, uh, you know, don't just book over those meetings or, or, you know, push it, kick that can down the road, like show up and make these meetings a priority, show up and be present. Like well said. Very well said. Um, yeah, and on the flip side, all the people running those dig channels and and in groups, make sure to have the content ready for the people to digest. You gotta, it's 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 important time right now. You gotta, we have to all put in the effort in order for everybody to really learn from this. So, Devin, I gotta say your your insights here uh, just have sparked a lot of um, just kind of aha or like wow moments in my own day-to-day -day life as a as an se as an employee um in in kind of wrapping up this topic though are there any closing remarks that we haven't talked about that you would like to not off the top of my head i think that we've covered a lot um just again under i'm going to underline the issue of everybody please educate yourself educate yourself educate yourself um I, I can self-plug my Twitter, <laughs> DSAX10, <laughs> follow it. I, I post links every once in a while. Um, no, I, I really am trying to educate as much as I can. So my, my, my thread or my like timeline will be all of that. But educate yourself, people. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree, Devin. And vote. And vote. And vote. De definitely. On, on this vein of educating ourselves, are there any specific resources that you'd be open to sharing for us to, to get more educated or like what I'm looking for. Are there any books that we should read podcasts? We should subscribe to voices mm -hmm. on LinkedIn or social media other than Devin Saxon, D Sax 10 <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah. Just any, anything that specifically that, that you think would be that you want to share. Yeah. I'm just, in the early parts of this book. So this is kind of a trust fall recommendation under <laughs> from one of my friends, but the new Jim Crow mass incarceration in the age of colorblindness by Michelle Alexander is, is one that I would uh, recommend everybody to read. It, it touches on war on drugs, destruction of communities and color, and just how the justice system plays a really strong hand in race control, um, super educational. And then another one that's in the same vein, if you're not a reader, please watch 13th, the documentary on Netflix mm -hmm. that just covers the 13th Amendment and how black people are egregiously disproportionately placed in prison. So, yeah. 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 Got it. Uh, you know, appreciate you sharing those resources. I have watched 13th before, but I'm going to rewatch it. And I'm also going to add that book to, to my Kindle and, and read it immediately. Cool. Um, so Devin, you know, wrapping up this episode, I just want to take a minute to acknowledge you. You're an incredible human. You're one of the best SEs I've ever worked with. You're authentic. You're approachable. You're always learning. You lift people up around you. And it takes a ton of courage to come on 
to a public platform and share your story so authentically. So I'm grateful to know you and to, to call you a friend, Devin. Just thank you. I appreciate that, Alex. Man, I miss you. Connor, Alex, I, thanks again for inviting me on here, man. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to, to really put it, in, it into this thoughtful process of, of us having this conversation today. So thanks again. Yeah, of course, Devin. And, you know, I want to echo what Alex says and just thank you. you. You're super courageous for coming on this platform and, and sharing and being vulnerable. And, you know, having these conversations, while it's uncomfortable and sometimes in some cases to actually do, it helps move our society forward in the right direction. And while it's not an easy conversation, it's one that needs to be had. So, so thank you. Wow, what an impactful conversation. To all of our listeners out there, thank you for listening. By doing so, you're helping our society, your workplace, and yourself take a step in the right direction. As Devin said, the biggest thing that we can do right now is to continue to educate ourselves. His recommendations will be in the show notes, so please set aside a couple hours, lock it off on your calendars, and review that additional material. I get it, we're all busy in our day-to-day lives, but laying on my deathbed, I would regret not devoting time for what I know is the right thing to do in my heart. Just know there are actions, big and small, that you can take either by donating your time, your money, resources, platform, or skills, Even if you start by taking a look in the mirror to understand how we are compliant in this moment, how by staying silent or not taking action or not standing shoulder to shoulder to support our fellow human beings, that essentially means I am compliant. So let's take responsibility about what perceptions, opinions, common company culture or industry terms and actions that are not congruent with the ideal of how humanity should treat each other. These are topics we can't remain neutral on or shy away from, so discuss them. We're not always gonna get it right, but silence is not the answer here. Silence is what has allowed this situation to continue to exist. So the bottom line is this, and as Obama recently stated, if we want to bring about real change, then the choice isn't between protest and politics. We have to do both. We have to mobilize to raise awareness, and we have to organize and cast our ballots to make sure that we elect candidates who will act on reform. With that said, we'll see you next time on the show. But in the meantime, stay strong, stay safe.